it takes creative theater minds, people who have been like, okay, this isn't how we have ever done theater before. And we could have been like, no, I'm, we can't take a melodrama online. It's too audience interactive. There's no way we can make that work. But instead it was this perfect conglomeration of creative minds, creative abilities, and a willingness to go, okay, we've got an audience, they're watching, you can't see them, but we know they're there and they're enjoying the heck out of this play and they're supporting you guys every ounce of the way. There's a place in Southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty, friendly yet independent people, and a mild, comfortable climate. That place is called Grants Pass. These are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP. Annie has been involved in the theater for most of her life and is now bringing her experience to the longest running community theater in the state of Oregon, Barnstormers Theater. Annie started at Barnstormers Theater one year ago, March 2020 just in time to navigate the theater through the COVID-19 pandemic. Needless to say, it's been a tumultuous year, and Annie has called upon every ounce of her theater and business experience to ensure the show continues to go on at Barnstormers. While producing plays, tackling live streaming, fundraising, marketing, grant writing, and managing the volunteer base at Barnstormers, she somehow found the time to perform on the Barnstormers stage and screen as Eliza Doolittle in the fall production of Pygmalion. Annie is thrilled to be taking the stage again this spring as Louise in the murder mystery post-mortem. Annie, welcome to the Grants Pass VIP podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We're actually recording this in the Barnstormers Theater right on the stage. This is my first time in here. This is a lot of fun. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and how people might know you? Sure. So I am a new member to the Grants Pass community. I moved here in September of 2019. Uh, my husband and I had been living in Los Angeles prior to that, and we had been running a theater and yoga studio there for about eight years prior to our move here to Grants Pass. Uh, we have three little kids, and we decided it was time to make change after the birth of our son, our youngest. And uh, we decided to move up here to Grants Pass. My mom lives here and has so for the last about 15 years. And we always loved it among the many visits that we've had here. We've always loved that it's so close to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival because obviously we have a great connection to the theater. And we'd often heard about this great little community theater, but we never actually had a chance to check it out. And when we first moved up here, I was working in retail for a few months. I worked in Medford for two months and then they shut down the store that I was working in. So I was lucky to move to a different retail store, uh, the Emporium down on 6th and G and work there for three months before finding out that Barnstormers was hiring for a new executive director. And of course I had to jump on that opportunity and submit my resume and went in and interviewed and they hired me and I've been lucky enough to serve as the executive director of Barnstormers for the past year. I started on March 9th of 2020 and I'll never forget that because a week later we had to shut down um, and cancel performances for 
the COVID-19 pandemic. So needless to say, it's been very different running a theater during um, these types of restricted times, as opposed to what I'm used to as far as running the theater that we did back in Los Angeles. Before Stephen and I had kids, we were pretty much running everything, you know, so I learned a lot. I learned how to run things from the booth, the lighting, the sound. I learned how to house manage and sell tickets. I learned how to coordinate all of the volunteers that were part of the shows. But obviously my first love is is acting. Um, and that's how I got started. I think I've been performing since I was seven years old and I started doing musical theater and I went to performing arts high school in Orange County and then went to college at USC. Uh, in Los Angeles and graduated in their theater program and then jumped right into auditioning in Los Angeles and was trying to make it big as, you know, the film and TV star and obviously that wasn't working out and I realized that my roots were in the theater and that was my true love and that's where my heart was. So I went and auditioned for a play that Stephen was directing and the rest is history. We, we, uh, wow. <laughs> we started working together and developing a great relationship. Obviously, we ended up getting married, so it's a romantic relationship. But, you know, what truly sparked our relationship was the relationship between director and actor. And he and I have grown together and learned lots of things about what it takes to run a theater. And then obviously I've translated that experience into working here at Barnstormers. And I got to tell you, it takes a lot of creativity, but this is the most creative outlet you can possibly find is the theater. So working here feels like coming home. Wow, fabulous. It's not often that we talk to somebody whose career or life experience started when they were seven years old. Right. So <laughs> how did, what drew you into it to begin with? I mean, gosh, I got to thank my mom for my mom and my dad for deciding that we weren't going to have regular cable growing up, but instead they were just going to buy us a bunch of VHS videos of uh, old classic musicals. And that's what I was raised on. Good old, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein yeah. and, um, you know, just the classic musicals. And that literally that was what I was raised on. So I just remember my childhood watching those musicals and learning all the songs. And, you know, you still get my sister and I together and we'll break into like <laughs> musical medleys. Um, and she, you know, never actually ended up performing. She went in a completely different direction and became very athletic and still works in athletics. And I just never stopped doing theater. Mm -hmm. And my mom realized pretty quickly that I needed to kind of foster that. And she found out about auditions for the school that I went to. And I started going there at the age of 12. It was a performing arts school. That's what really just cemented my love for the theater. And I just realized I could never be without it. So even though it hasn't always been my like bread and butter, earning money at it career, it's always been a part of my life. Um, so back in LA, while we were running the theater together, I was simultaneously managing a yoga studio, um, one of the biggest yoga studios actually in, in the entire, um, entire county of Los Angeles and probably one of the biggest studios in the world because Los Angeles is the mecca for yoga. Yeah. Um, I was fostering that path because as I was studying in high school, I was also a dancer and I grew to love the practice of yoga after kind of realizing I wasn't gonna make it as a dancer and a musical theater artist, I realized I really loved acting. 
and I really love to do yoga. So I got a job quickly after high school managing yoga studios. And so that's what I was doing to make money. And on the side of that, I was teaching yoga classes. And so then when Steven and I got together, we were like, let's open up a theater and a yoga studio. So we started the theater and I was managing a lot of the theater work alongside him, but then I was also managing the yoga studio that we tacked into it as well um, and teaching about six to seven classes a week on top of my manager's job at Yoga Works, the big yoga studio. So I've pretty much always been working in an industry that I'm very, very passionate about. And I've always been fortunate to find a way to make money doing what it is that I love to do. I did that for so long in Los Angeles. I was nervous actually when we moved here because I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, we're moving to Grants Pass, Oregon. And truthfully, I was like, I, I'm so excited to go, but where am I gonna find a, a yoga studio to manage? And I never dreamed, I never ever dreamed that it never crossed my mind that I would have the opportunity to actually work at Barnstormers and work in the theater again and get paid to do it, which mm -hmm. is extremely exciting, you know, especially considering that what makes this theater this theater is its volunteer base. Me doing this alone, it, it would never work. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so obviously there's me, but there's a giant volunteer base who really just come together to do it for the love of theater, um, which is fantastic. One of my biggest challenges, but also one of my biggest sources of joy in running the theater is managing that volunteer base and bringing them together and making sure things are running smoothly and helping them, assisting them in the best way that I possibly can, making sure that the show does go on somehow. So again, this is just a such a blessing for me to be able to work in the theater again. And it was, it was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm not gonna be able to work in the yoga industry anymore and I'm gonna miss that because I loved that but I'm gonna go back to what it is that I originally fell in love with at the age of seven years old, running around my house singing musical songs. You know, so. Fabulous. Yeah. We spoke with your husband earlier. Those of you who are listening to this, if you haven't heard the episode with Stephen Sable, make sure and go back and listen to that. He has a daytime job, but he also does acting here in the theater along with you. Do you find it difficult to be in a relationship where you both do the same thing where you <laughs> is there a competition or anything on any level where it, where it is where you're both directors you're both actors how does that work well you know i would say it's not without its challenges but Stephen and i complement each other very well he tends to be the type of person that just you know is full of wonderful ideas and he's immensely creative. It's very fortunate that in this position that I'm in because sometimes I'll just be talking to him and I'm like, well, I'm going through this at work and I'm feeling kind of stuck and, I'm feeling, and he'll just come up with something and I'll be like, that's incredible. <laughs> and then I'll go, yes, I love that idea, but this is how I'm gonna change that or work with that to make it work for this environment, mm -hmm. you know, because he's obviously so used to working in this field. You know, he's been working in it a lot longer than I have because he started directing them, not to give away too much of the age difference between us, but it just seems to be that we complement each other very, very well. And Stephen and I's, you know, the foundation of our relationship is was the director and actor relationship. So mm -hmm. he and I have what is called like a shorthand when we're working together, where he as a director can say something and I'll be on totally the same wavelength as the actor. Um, so, so we speak very much the same language. We were presented obviously with certain challenges when we started the theater together in Los Angeles. And a lot of that just had to do with how do we make a business out of nothing and start it from scratch and get it going. Um, but I learned so much through that experience. 
And you know, I was just fresh out of college and meeting this man who was like, let's do this together. And it was scary, it was scary, very scary for me. It was a big jump. But I learned so much just by going with him and you know, taking his hand and saying, yes, let's do this together. So now we're in this position that we have this beautiful home at Barnstormers Theater where neither of us are like in the position of where, yes, I am working constantly to make sure that the theater is running successfully and that is my primary job, but we didn't have to start it from scratch. We found it and it, there's almost a certain sense of like relief of like, okay, we can take that foundation that we built upon and we have a home to bring it to and now, and we have support from a built-in base that's already here. So we just got to come in here and we're so wonderfully welcomed by the group of volunteers that's already here, you know, the board of directors, our artistic committee, and then just all of the production teams that come in and out of the theater just have been so welcoming to us and the ideas that we bring with us and the experience that we bring with us and the hope that we have for the future of Barnstormers. There are times when we will butt heads and there are times when I'll turn to him and go, you know, that idea worked in LA, but it doesn't work here at Barnstormers. And, it, and he'll completely understand. And I'll be like, you know, we didn't have a board of directors that we were working with. I do, and I have to keep their considerations in mind. And I have to keep the artistic committee who chooses our season, I have to keep their decisions in mind. So it's not just the two of us going, let's do this. There's a lot of other factors that we all have to consider now to make sure that this remains the beautiful community theater that it has become over the course of the last 70 years. Um, but we're fortunate to come in together and me be in the position that I'm in. I'm doing a lot of what he used to do back in LA of just like making sure the theater's running successfully. He gets to come in and be a director and an actor, which is truthfully what he loves to do the most. And so that's great because he does. He has his outside job as the information coordinator for the city of Grants Pass, but then he's able to come here and do what it is that he's always loved to do so much. And then he has me to work alongside him to be like, hey, um, do you have paintbrushes and rollers and all these things that I'm gonna need for my set painting day? And I'm like, yes, I got you covered. Here's where you can find it. You know, like we're making sure that we have each other covered and that we have this whole community covered for, for the theater. That's very cool, very cool. So you mentioned as soon as you were on board, COVID-19 hit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that impacted how you guys do business here? Of course you weren't, you didn't know as much about how they did it here, but you know enough about the theater to know what's typical and what isn't. So how, how, right. how have things changed? Quite honestly, the biggest change that we've seen happen is how digital we've had to become. Um, you know, we've basically taken our live community theater online for the past three productions that we've done. Unfortunately, we had to completely cancel a few of our productions, but we refused to give up. And we, we being me and then the volunteer base behind me, we refused to completely say, we call it quits. Okay, so we had to cancel two shows right at the beginning of COVID-19. But once summer rolled around, we realized there's a way that we can do this and there's a way that we can do it safely and make it work. In the summer, we were about to stage our melodrama, which we have for the past, I want to say five or, yeah, 2015, I want to say was the first year that it started kicking off. Barnstormers has always done a summer melodrama. And they've been great. They've been a lot of fun. I've heard wonderful stories about them. So it became a tradition and we were like, okay, a melodrama is particularly audience 
interactive. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to take that online? And I credit the director, Madeline DeCourcy, and her stage manager, Jonas Stewart, for being incredibly creative minds and saying, you know, okay, we're going to take this online. We have the opportunity because of the, you know, flexibility of the publishing company we're working with for the play to take it up on YouTube. So basically anybody can watch it. But the great thing on YouTube is that you can put in comments on the side, um, so you audience members can watch and be commenting on it and you know sharing their thoughts. So we were doing the show completely virtually. There was no live audience sitting in the theater at all, <laughs> but we were live streaming it on YouTube and you could see all of these, you're watching the live stream and I did, I watched every single performance because in my mind I'm going, oh God, is it gonna work? Is it gonna work? Um, and I could see the entire time how many people were watching, like you can see the number of viewers and you can see people commenting on the side. And because of the nature of a melodrama, which is very, you know, boo for the villain and ah for the damsel in distress type of theater, you know, people would be submitting those things and we call them heckles, right, for the villain. Mm -hmm. And then we actually had two actors that were specifically cast to be watching the YouTube screen and throw in the heckles oh, for nice. the, yeah, <laughs> for the villains so that they would actually say what the people were commenting on the side. So. It takes creative theater minds, people who have been like, okay, this isn't how we have ever done theater before. And we could have been like, no, I'm, we can't take a melodrama online. It's too audience interactive. There's no way we can make that work. But instead it was this perfect conglomeration of creative minds, creative abilities, and a willingness to go, okay, if we can put it up on YouTube, we can still kind of have that, somewhat that audience interaction. You know, the actors won't get to see it, but at least we know we, we can say to them, you know, we have this many people watching tonight. And here were some of their great comments that they were throwing in and all of that. So it, obviously that looks extremely different than having an actual audience there. And nothing can ever take that away. The audience energy is, is a beautiful, vibrant, thriving thing that truly is one of the reasons why I think actors keep coming back to do live theater and what separates it so much mm. from film and TV versus live theater is that you get to feed off of that live audience energy. So no, when you're just live streaming a, book, a play, are you getting that live audience energy? You're not, but at the same time, I felt like my role in that whole production was to t keep telling them, we've got an audience, they're watching, you can't see them, but we know they're there and they're enjoying the heck out of this play and they're supporting you guys every ounce of the way. So I was like, you know, I'm the cheerleader letting you guys know that there is an audience watching and they're loving it, right? <laughs> but truly, when we started live streaming the play that summer, it took Jonas Stewart, who is an incredible mind, he's a photographer and a filmmaker, and he had never live streamed anything before, but he was just like, I think we can make it work. And it was a lot of work, mm. <laughs> but somehow we made it work. And I'm still to this day, not sure how all of it works, <laughs> um, but I know that I have the people, the support base, and that's truly my job is finding the people and their skill sets to make it work. So after we did Pony Expresso, we moved into Charlotte's Web and that we were able to bring in small audiences. And because of the nature of the show is obviously very family friendly, we did all daytime performances and I encouraged because it was right around school time going back and kids weren't going back to school. So I made it like a bring your kids that otherwise would be sitting in school right now, bring them to see this educational play based on a classic story and let them enjoy some live theater. So we had, you know, groups of 
12, 10 to 12 families that came together wow. or, you know, little homeschool groups, mm -hmm. right, that came together and watched the show. And then we were simultaneously live streaming it. So that was an extra challenge because doing a live stream play, we basically set up like a mini sound sound studio here yeah. and turned it more into like what would look like a TV studio versus a live theater. Wow. But then we were going, no, it's time to bring live audiences back. We can. Okay, so how do we now format? And then I can thank uh, Matthew Downs for that, who is another wonderfully creative mind who came in here and worked with all this wiring and reworked everything and built up our network. And we got set up with really fast internet speeds and all of this and just like changed everything here to make sure that we could live stream and still simultaneously create an enjoyable experiences for our audiences. Once Pygmalion hit, which was our third show, we kind of developed that system and we had it set and ready to go. And we were doing this three camera system, <laughs> which to give credit to our crew, it was one of those decisions where it was like, we don't want to look this to look like cast member number three's dad is sitting in the back row with his iPhone, <laughs> right? You know, Kim. we want this to look quality with, you know, camera angles and shots and things like that. And we were able to do that with the cameras, the three camera system. And we've got a switcher that switches back between the three of them. And it took those creative minds. And I had no idea when I was coming in here that I had these resources available to me. You know, you think, oh my gosh, panic mode. We have to cancel shows. What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden I'm getting these creative minds coming to me going, we can live stream and this is how we're going to do it. And I'm going, okay, let's jump in. Let's do it. <laughs> it's one of those things again, like starting the business with Steven, where you just go, let's jump in, let's do it. And it has not been without its challenges. Every single show that we've done that has been live streamed has had at least one performance where there's been a major issue. And I've had times where I've had to reach out to the people who bought tickets for that performance and go, I'm sorry, I know you weren't able to stream the show on this day and I apologize and let's get you set up with another ticket to stream on another weekend because we're working through this issue and we promise you we're going to make it happen. Long hours, a lot of volunteer energy hmm. and a whole new meaning to the show must go on because truthfully, there's that whole new element. It's not just our, is the setup, is do the actors know their lines? Are the costumes ready? All of that that goes into a live theater, there's all of that. And then there's also, are we producing a live stream? Which is, sometimes you are, and sometimes you're at the mercy of internet access. Mm -hmm. That has been very challenging, but at the same time, extremely rewarding. And so, yes, it, it's very different than how Barnstormers has ever done theater before. And we've had to get used to it for the small, limited audiences we were when we were doing Pygmalion. You know, I would, an hour before the show, be sitting here mapping out seats so that our patrons were six feet apart from this party and six feet apart from that party. And I'd be like, hey, we've sold 30 tickets today, which is sold out. So, you know, so it's training us to think, okay, it's not sold out as we're used to sold out. It's not a packed house. But for the capacity that we can sell to right now, we're sold out. And let's think of it like that. Yep. And we were fortunate with Pygmalion to have audiences that you could just tell they were so happy to be back in the theater <laughs> because they were engaged and they were so much giving you that audience energy that, again, theater people thrive on. So is virtual theater the entire way of the future? No, because there will always be a place for live theater. You always need that live audience energy. And I can't wait until we can actually pack our houses once again. However, we've learned a fabulous new skill. And 
I'm thinking now this could be something that we bring back even when we don't have to. There might be select shows that we go, let's live stream this one because it's in really good shape and it's really, it fits well for the potential of live mm-hmm. streaming. Another silver lining, we've reached audiences that never would have known Barnstormers otherwise. Yeah. For Pygmalion, we had people watching in Mexico. We had one wow. uh, person watching from Italy, D.C., Boston, Colorado, all over the nation. And obviously some of those people are supporters of cast and crew, but they're clued in now into what Barnstormers is doing. Our challenge was, let's make this something that people go, hey, this is good. This isn't just, you know, (laughs) this isn't a whole live stream theater. How good could it be? And I actually have received some feedback, which has been some of the best feedback I've received during my entire year span here is people who've called me and said, you know what? I had kind of low expectations. It was a lot better than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, great. That's what we, you know. And so, no, it doesn't look like the theater that we've done in the past but it just tells you that there's always a way to forge into the future. We're lucky enough to have a very creative volunteer base who was always willing to be flexible and to just go with the flow and say, yeah, okay, we're going to make it work some way, somehow. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. You've lived in town since 2019, you said, September? It's September, yeah. Okay, so you've been around about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You've had a year's worth of experience here in the theater and and just amazing the stories of what's happened in just a year's time for you. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah, definitely. It, why don't you tell us a little bit about the play that you're putting on right now? Great, yeah, so right now we're in rehearsals for a murder mystery called Postmortem. It's a Ken Ludwig play. Ludwig's a very popular playwright. Um, We've done four of his plays here at Barnstormers. Just, you know, one of the joys that I get as the executive director here is actually kind of going through the past. And I spent some time, obviously, when we first canceled productions here and figuring out, you know, what am I going to put on our Facebook page? I don't have a show to promote. I spent a lot of time digging back into the old archives and looking at the show's history and like looking into Barnstormer's past, which I might not have had time to do otherwise, but was really enjoyable for me, but also clued me into like some of the things that we've done in the past and some things that might work really well for us in the future. So I found out we'd done four Ken Ludwig plays prior to this one that we're doing right now. Stephen has actually directed and been in this play six different times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not directed always, but and not acted in always, but some either one or the other or a combination of both six times. So somewhere in the fall, we realized that we were not going to be able to obtain live stream royalties for the show that we were going supposed to do at the beginning of this year, the beginning of 2021. And the director who was set to direct it said, you know, I don't really want to go live stream on that show. I'd like to wait until we can reopen to full audiences. So I was like, okay, let's get a replacement show going. And then we decided, okay, let's just forego the beginning of the year slot and close down for January, February. And instead, what would be the second show slot? Let's plug in a replacement show. So of course, who do I go to? Steven, can you help us out? Can you give us a replacement show? And he goes, well, I can always do postmortem. You know, and I had never been in it before, even though I've seen him do it three different times. I had never been in it because I was usually running some other aspect of the show when we were doing it or just being with our kids. I was like, great, actually that works really well. That fits in nicely for the Barnstormers 
niche, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have a history of doing Ken Ludwig plays. He's a great playwright. And we not only have a history of doing his plays, but back in 2017, we did another one of his plays called The Games of Foot, which is another murder mystery about the same character who's in postmortem. And his name is William Gillette. And William Gillette is a very famous real person, actor and writer who wrote with Arthur Conan Doyle um, a play about Sherlock Holmes. So the two of them wrote the play Sherlock Holmes and then Gillette went on to star in that play as Sherlock Holmes for years and years and years to the point where he started fancying himself Sherlock Holmes, correct, right? So, and then went and built this ginormous castle in Connecticut. And it really, if you look up pictures of Gillette Castle, it is an insane place, like a fortress, rock castle. And he built it with trap doors and secret entrances and, you know, locks that you couldn't figure out and mirrors so that he could spy on his guests. And so this eccentric character became the focus of Ken Ludwig's play, Postmortem. So the story of Postmortem is William Gillette has brought some of the cast of Sherlock Holmes to his castle in Connecticut for the weekend. He also includes his aunt who lives there with him and his sister and then some of the cast members. And then he brings in Louise, which is the character that I play, who was a former cast member in Sherlock Holmes. And they all come together on the one-year anniversary of the death of Maud, who was the previous actress who played the female lead counterpart to William Gillette in Sherlock Holmes, and they were engaged to be married. One year ago, prior to the day where these seven people all come together, was the day that Maud got killed. And at first they're thinking suicide, right? But no. William Gillette is certain that it's murder and he wants to prove that it's murder. So he brings in Louise, who is now, he, she, Louise was present, as were some of the other actors on the night that Maude died, and she went insane afterwards, just had a complete breakdown, basically. And after recovering from her mental breakdown, became a medium and started conversing with the dead. So came in and Gillette brings her in to conduct this seance to try to prove that and try to bring Maud back to tell them that it was all murder, right? And try to figure out who was the person who killed her. And Gillette is convinced that it's one of those seven people that is there. So it's one of those plays where everybody's a suspect. There are always these lead-ins to, oh, it could have been them. Oh, this person. Oh, maybe that's, oh, maybe that's that person, you know. Um, and Gillette is playing Sherlock Holmes the entire time, playing the detective, trying to figure it all out. And it's a great play because these characters are all so dynamic and their relationships are dynamic and they all have very fun backstory to them. And it's a very ensemble cast. Everybody's got a really good part to contribute to the play, which makes it a very enjoyable play too. In a cast of seven people, you really get to enjoy working with that close-knit group of people and playing off of each other. So that's the story behind Postmortem. It will perform on what I've now coined the Barnstormer stage and screen, April 10th through 25th, Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays, evening performances, 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 2 o'clock p.m. And so we'll be performing to small live audiences. We can sell up to 28 tickets and then live streaming simultaneously.
Tickets are on sale for live audiences. We're selling in groups of four for $60. So we're encouraging couples to mm. come together or, you know, get your pandemic pod together <laughs> and come in a group of four. And so you, and then we see each party obviously six feet away from each other. And obviously the face coverings are worn through in the theater throughout. It's very different, obviously, than what we've done before, but we're so thrilled to be inviting in a live audience. And at the same time, we set up our three cameras, stage left, stage right and center. And then in the back, up in the booth, we have our switcher and we have a crew working together to make sure that there's a live stream going on simultaneously. You can purchase tickets on our website, barnstormersgp.com, and you can get live stream or live in-person tickets on our website there. So we're very excited. This typically April would be the time when we're producing our third play of the year. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's play number one of 2021. And it wasn't what was originally supposed to be in this slot but yeah. it's a play that works really well in this slot because it is a small cast it's a single unit set you know so you don't have to switch sets which was a concern for us is set changes and especially an audience at home losing interest during long set changes <laughs> right so you want to keep it moving keep it going keep mm -hmm. everybody engaged it's a testament to to previous plays that we've done we actually did back in 2016 the actual William Gillette and Arthur Conan Doyle play of Sherlock Holmes oh. that this play is based upon. Mm. So, you know, it's an homage to many plays that we've done before yeah. in the Games of Foot back in 2017. It's a much more comic play, but there is a seance and it is a murder mystery. So same type of thing here, a fun seance. And, but this is a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a darker murder mystery. It's not as comedic. It is definitely more mysterious. Um, we will advise interested patrons who people who want to watch there is gunshot it's a very enjoyable very mysterious play okay let's take a break from that conversation i wanted to bring up a question for you during these crazy times do you feel like your business is indestructible most people don't and if not the real question is why and what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible well that's the basis of my new book nine ways to Amazon proof your business. Let me talk about what we discussed in chapter six, the sixth way, which is to offer ongoing. What does that mean? Well, what it means is don't just have products that are one-time uses. Find a way to offer some type of ongoing value to your clients. Even if you can't offer it yourself, even if you don't specifically offer a service that goes on and on, Find someone else who does and team up with them. Find a way to turn what you do into some form of subscription or membership and get your stuff out there more often. Allow them a chance to get to know, like, and trust you via a product or service. This is a way that you can completely take Amazon's idea and twist it into something directly for your own. Amazon Prime's a major deal in the success behind Amazon.com you can get it to work for you even if you just work on a local level. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to amazonproofbook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and 
discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com slash speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. Just curious because I've done stage work before. On this stage, are the lights bright enough that you can't see the audience or can you see you reactions? You can see images of the audience, and yes. Does but it's just the, outlines. Yeah, oh, just outlines. So <laughs> them having masks on, does that change how the relationship works at all or do you think it, you hear enough of the reaction? To You do. You yeah. definitely still hear enough of the reaction. Yeah. I know that there were some people who were, you could tell the people that were thoroughly enjoying Pygmalion. You know, you yeah. could sense their, we even had a people like, you can hear their verbal reactions or some of their <laughs> comments and they're like oh yep we brought in a live audience and all the good that comes with it right because yeah there you could hear some people and again it was one of those things where it's just like I think people aren't really as used to they're not used to yeah. sitting in a theater as much you know it's oh, like you could sense there was one performance where we heard somebody just blurt something out and it yeah. was one of those things where you're just like she probably just did in her mind. was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting at home. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, you know, like people aren't used to being in the theater, yeah. you know. Um, That's a good and, point. And it, it, was, it was just very, there was so much energy in the audience, even with only 25% capacity and everybody wearing full face masks. There was still a bunch of energy and you could hear their laughter and you could hear their random comments and you could sense their engagement. So I would say no, it's a different energy, but it's still there and it's still vibrant. There's nothing like being an actor and you go off stage and you're like feeling really good about your performance and they're also really keying in, they being the audience, is also right there with you mm -hmm. and you know as Stephen and I'll say when the few plays because it's actually been very few plays that we've been on stage together Pygmalion was actually the only play that we've ever been in together where we've actually been on the stage at the same time oh that's time. right he, he was saying the that, last yeah. <laughs> two plays that we, we had done two plays where we acted in together but we picked those plays particularly because we never had any stage time together because mm -hmm. one of us was watching our child backstage while the other <laughs> one was on stage oh theater family right <laughs> and obviously for the numerous productions we've done together he's been the director and i've been the actor but you can always sense you go off stage and you look at a fellow cast member and you go awesome audience tonight right and it's like everything just raises up a bar the mm -hmm. actor's energy goes up they start keying in more there are performances where you know when an audience you can tell is feeling somewhat disengaged and it's almost like it's it's work you're trying mm -hmm. to get them more engaged and it's like you're working and you're like you're, you're acting too hard almost at that point but when they're engaged and you're engaged and everything feels just natural and wonderful it's the best feeling it's the best feeling ever that's so perfect. That's uh, <laughs> that's really awesome. We, that connection's pretty incredible thing. So I imagine that you're looking forward over the next year, and as things progress, I imagine you're hoping that things will be good enough that more people could come in. And there could be more of that connection available. Wow. I mean, I tend to be a positive thinker, yeah. and I've somehow maintained positive thinking throughout this entire year. I mean, I've not been without my challenges and not without my like moments of discouragement. There have been plenty of those, but. I think that my continuous hope is, oh, it'll just get better. It'll just get better. Yeah. It'll just get better. So That's great. Yeah. So 
what do you see in Barnstormer's future that you're really excited about? Anything you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a lot of things that I'm excited about <laughs> right now. Um, and I think, you know, obviously it, the beauty of where we're at right now is that there is a hope that we are nearing an ability to return to I'm going to call it the new normal because mm -hmm. I don't think we're ever going to go back to what real, you know, what we thought normal was. I mean, truly, I think that, you know, just the world at large is, has learned so much from this whole experience this past year that there are certain things that we've changed that will never go back to the normal way. Sure. But for Barnstormers, I think there's been an opportunity for us to potentially learn things and grow from things. So one of the things that I'm I'm hoping and that I'd, I'd like to see happen is one, we're gonna be bringing back our summer camp this year. We canceled it last year. And that is one of the biggest things I'm excited for right now because at the heart of this theater is education. A lot of the ways that we educate people is through experience, particularly the adults, older people that come into the theater. And we're very welcoming, anybody can come in and be like, I've never done a play before in my life, but I wanna come audition for something or I, I wanna be involved somehow. Great, let's use you somehow, right? And so a lot of people are educated in the theatrical experience by, by just doing it. But then we also have a summer theater camp where we specifically reach out and foster the youth of this community to grow in their theatrical experience. And we pride ourselves in, small, in offering a pretty small summer camp. Like from year to year, we've always kept it. 15 to 20 students in the summer camp. And right now, based on OHA guidelines, it looks like we'll be able to do a camp for 15 to 20 like we oh, have in the past. Great. So, you know, and I've been checking on it constantly <laughs> and going, okay, what rules do we have to follow and how can we make sure that this happens this year? Yeah. And because one of my things is that that is at the core of one of, of Barnstormer's mission statement is that education. And so we have to go back to fostering that youth. So that's one of the things that I'm excited about bringing back and we're expanding it actually. We used to do two weeks, we're gonna do four weeks this year. Mm. Um, and I'm super excited about that. Wow. We've got more people involved that are excited to be in it and we're getting that going. That, What's the age group? In there? Age group, so we're actually going to be, we used to do two separate age groups and now we're gonna combine it into one group ages nine to 16 we're doing this year. And it's gonna be a four week program. And the kids will actually get to put on their own mini play at the end. Costumes, lights, props, all the fun Fabulous, stuff. Yeah. And it's gonna be, it is, it's a, you know, it's like going to school. It's a nine to three, Monday through Friday <laughs> camp is, but what we've figured out is that the students who are really invested in it just want more. So we're like, okay, how can we take it and expand it? We didn't do it at all last year, but let's bring it back this year and let's make it bigger and better than it's ever has been before. So that's what I'm excited about. I was devastated last year because I was really excited to see a camp through. Mm. And then we made the decision to cancel and I was devastated that we had to cancel it. So I'm very much looking forward to getting that summer camp going. We just made the decision that we're moving forward with it. So I'm just getting the ground running on that. After that, this summer, Stephen will be directing. Um, I'll do a little preview here because I haven't made the full season announcement yet. That will be coming soon, but Stephen will be directing a Shakespeare play, a very well-known Shakespeare comedy. And 
my hope is that we might actually be able to take that outdoors and do it at the park. Oh, wow. Um, which is where the original Barnstormers were performing. <laughs> Prior to owning this space, which we, uh, the Barnstormers took this space that we own right now back in the 60s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. But before that, for at least a good decade, they were performing outdoors in Riverside Park. Oh, wow. Doing melodramas yeah. and fun outdoor yeah. theater. It's going to be great because... Barnstormers doesn't do a lot of Shakespeare, but that's Stephen's forte. He ran a Shakespeare festival for mm-hmm. years. It's one of the reasons why we got connected, because I also love Shakespeare. But with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival not doing any live performances until fall right now, we took that kind of as an opportunity to go, well, nobody's doing Shakespeare right now. Let's do it, you know, and let's do it. Let's see if we can do it outdoors. Neat. So the Shakespeare will definitely be happening. My hope is that we can figure out a way to take it outdoors. I know that there's a lot of challenges that come with that, but there's a lot of challenges that come with live streaming. Mm-hmm. So right now our plan is to finish up season 69 with Postmortem and Arsenic and Old Lace, which is a great oh, comedy. Yeah. And we'll be live streaming and small live audiences for both of those. And then we'll do our summer camp and then we're going to go outdoors in the park and do Shakespeare in the park and I'm just thrilled at the prospects of both of those you know <laughs> obviously outdoors will be better we can sell more tickets because of COVID we can sit more people outside so it just makes sense this is the perfect year for us to take that venture into going back outdoors kind of get back to our roots yeah. at the same time venture into new territory by doing Shakespeare outdoors and truthfully there's nobody better to take the helm than that than my husband so I'm super <laughs> excited about those things and I think this is just the beginning like you know my creative mind is flowing everybody else's creative mind is flowing and I think that's truly one of the the biggest silver linings of a pen something catastrophic like a pandemic is you have to think outside the box yeah and if you hadn't been forced to think outside the box you wouldn't have reached into that deepest crevice of creativity that you have because you would just you're just going with the flow you're doing your thing you're doing what you've always done but things like this happen you have to be creative you have to dig deep and then all of a sudden you're going wait a minute this is a great idea and we're going to keep this around even after the, this event is done and we're going to keep this going we're going to make you know we're going to do Shakespeare in the Park every year like which obviously Stephen and I would love to do <laughs> um, but I you know I sidetrack but we're going to make our summer camp bigger and better and more elite and all of that and just like there's so much hope for the future because we go we're going to weather this storm and I think we're going to come back from it stronger and more resilient and just in such great shape to forge into the future. Excellent. So many things to look forward to. If we were to get back together, let's say in a year, mm-hmm. and we were going to look back over the past 12 months and everything that had happened, what would have had to have happened for you both professionally and personally for you to feel happy with your progress? Oh, wow. Okay. So a year from now, professionally and personally, gosh, I would say professionally, my projection for the next year is we have a season planned and obviously I want to see that season be successful. If I can implement that Shakespeare in the park and make that a success, I will be very proud of us, Stephen and I, for him being the director that said, yes, we can do that. And for me going, yes, we need to do this. And this is how we're going to do it. I think that for both Stephen and I, we would love to see barnstormers continue to grow and thrive because this is now our theater home so if it's that's growing and thriving we're growing and thriving and then obviously for me as the executive director if my volunteer base 
is able to come here and go, we're doing really incredible shows and this is a place that I want to be, then I will consider it a major success. I think that Barnstormers only thrives, only grows upon the willingness of its volunteers to be creative, to work the long hours, to do it for the love of the theater. And Barnstormers has a history sometimes of burning people out and it's a lot, it's a lot of work. We ask a lot of our directors, they have to wear a lot of hats and they jump into it. And some of them are so new to it that they don't quite know what they're jumping into. And it takes some of the joy out of it. And truthfully, what I would love to see is that the community theater aspect of here become an even more tight-knit community. That we're all supporting each other in such a way that it's nothing but an enjoyable experience. I mean, there will always be challenges. Nothing's perfect. But if it can be 99% a positive experience for every person that walks through this door, that we're producing quality shows, that we continue to raise the bar. Oh, I'm a person that goes, okay, we can't just stop. Let's just continue to raise the bar. How can we get bigger? How can we get better? There's never a cap. There's always room for growth. And so if I can see, okay, it's not even a numbers game. Yes, we need the money to survive. But if it's a general sense of that the community here has strengthened, that our patrons are continuously talking about how good the quality of our productions are, how excited they are to see us take new steps and venture into new opportunities, then I will consider that a success. And then obviously, personally, if I can balance that with having three children and making sure that my three kids are growing and thriving and doing well, then I will definitely consider it a success. <laughs> <laughs> They're my first love and truthfully, I think it's only a matter of time before our oldest, Stella, gets on the Barnstormer stage. So that's actually something that I would really love to see within the next year. I don't know that there's a role for her in this coming season, but but maybe the next season after that, we'll find that perfect spot for her because <laughs> she would love that. And oh. I would love that. Stephen and I sometimes dream and are, and are very strange, you know, when we're up at 3 a.m. together, we'll cast shows with our kids in it. We'll be like, oh, someday when Stella's playing Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, or, you know, like, and, and we'll do it and sometimes we'll be like, yeah, and Stephen will say like, you know, oh, and I'll play Lord Capulet and I'll be her father on stage as well. And so we do that and we're like, oh my gosh, we found a community, we found a home here at Barnstormers and now our, our kids, and we're not gonna force it on them, but if they want to, they can come join the theater family here. Barnstormers loves family friendly, will always love family friendly. I think that's one of the things that we do best here is, is produce plays of an eclectic mix. And so Postmortem is not the most family friendly, but Midsummer Night's Dream is going to be very family friendly. Absolutely. And it is. So we're just more ways to incorporate the community into this theater. And also, I think if more people know the Barnstormers name a year from now, then it's a success as well. I've heard plenty of people I've come into contact with go, Barnstormers, I've never even heard of that. And I go, I'm changing that. <laughs> You've ever seen a play before? Oh no, you need to come see a play. <laughs> yeah, ingrain this place in the community even more, make it more well-known. That's fantastic. I've never been in here, but just being on the stage and being around it, you get the feel back. If you've ever done anything like this before, watched a play or been in a play, it's really great to be in here. It's very cozy. 
This is a Grants Pass podcast. We mainly focus on people from the area or that affect our area. What do you like best about living and working in Grants Pass and Josephine County? Truly, it boils down to two very simple things. Nature and the people. When Stephen and I were living in Los Angeles, we had a group of people. We created that group of people, truthfully, because we created a theater company. And so we created that group of people and we loved that group of people. We thrived with that group of people. Um, but it was a fast-paced, crazy world. And yes, we enjoyed it. And it was sustainable when it was just the two of us or the two of us and one child. When you start to have more children, you realize it's not sustainable. And you realize you want to have a life where your kids can be in nature and outdoors more often than living in a tiny apartment in Los Angeles where going outdoors for them is stepping onto a tiny little balcony or sitting in traffic to drive to a park. <laughs> um, Stephen and I will never forget when we looked at the home that we live in now and we decided we wanted to live on land. We wanted to get land. We wanted, and I think about it every time I drive home from the theater and I turn that corner and I start driving up to my home and see all the beautiful trees that surround our home. And there's truthfully, I know it for a fact, I'm a happier person because whatever could be getting me down, whatever stress I'm going through, I just sit back and I go, I live in a beautiful world. I never thought that in LA. You never look at the concrete jungle and go, oh, I live in a beautiful world. You get it here and there, little glimpses, yeah. but never on a daily basis when you're driving home and you're seeing, I live in a beautiful world. So that's it. My, uh, we looked at the home that we're living in now. Our oldest daughter, Stella, steps onto it. Stephen asks her, would you like to live here? And she just looks at him completely genuinely, looks at him and goes, Daddy, we're going to live in a park? Because her only recognition of nature was a park, going to the park. And we're, yeah, we are. We're going to live in our own park. So that, and then having that next to a great little downtown area with a group of people that love this community. And it was so easy to jump in. And you know, Stephen and I have felt super welcome here from day one. You know, we joined the Chamber of Commerce for our respective professions because it just made sense. And then all of a sudden we're going to chamber meetings and we're making friends and we're meeting people and we're making connections. My first boss here in Grants Pass, I worked in Medford for a little bit, but I, I was so glad to be done with that and come here and find my first boss, Jan Bertagia at the Emporium. And she and I are still wonderful friends because she is a fantastic person. And there are so many people like that in this community who just love Grants Pass so much and just want to see it grow and want to see it thrive and want to see the community get stronger. And when I took this spot in bar at Barnstormers, I was like, oh, this is a great chance for me to just even get more involved with the community because it's my job now to make Barnstormers a bigger part of the community. It's already a great part of the community. But like I said earlier, if I can make more people aware of the fact that this wonderful community theater exists, then I'm doing my job well. And so more people who know about it and come here, the better. And we've made so many wonderful friends and people who are just so kind and so genuine. There is, there's a difference in the lifestyle. There's a difference in the people. And there's a difference in the environment that truly make this such a special place. And obviously it's a vast difference from Los Angeles. And yes, you know, were we fighting to be, make it big in Los Angeles for a while, yes. But there's a point where you realize where that's not as important as doing what's best for your own well-being as well as your children's well-being. And we love the fact that our children on a daily basis get just to step into our backyard and immediately be immersed in nature. 
that they get to feed chickens and see deer strolling through the back. And you never experienced that where we came from. It's a big leap because my mom's lived here for as long as she has, and my sister lives in Eugene. And they were all, when you come in, when you come in, when you come in. And I was, no, I'm staying in LA. I'm gonna be an actress, right? I'm gonna make it big. I'm gonna be a yoga teacher and actress and I'm gonna do it. And then you have a family and it's like things change and you really do realize your priority. And truthfully, I'm living the dream. I am. I'm not, it wasn't the exact dream that I had, but I'm working in a profession that I love, that I'm so passionate about. I'm working with people that are just as passionate as I am about it. I'm living in a community with fantastic people filled with love and spirit, and I'm living in the middle of this beautiful environment. And I, who could ask for more? <laughs> That's great. What can listeners do if they're interested in finding out more about Barnstormers? Find us online, www.barnstormersgp.com. That's the word barn, the word storm, E-R-S-G-P, as in Grants Pass, dot com. And then we're also on Facebook. You can find Barnstormers Theater on Facebook. You can see all of our updates there. And you can find us on Instagram at BarnstormersGP and see all of our updates there. Um, but if you visit our website, you'll get all the information about how to get tickets for our upcoming plays, Postmortem and Arsenic and Old Lace, which just opened up ticket sales as well. You can see what we have coming up in the future. And we're going to be putting out our 70th season announcement. Uh, in early April. Yeah, season 70, incredible. And then also get updates on what we're about to offer as far as education, not just our summer theater camp, but also we're restarting workshop series and Stephen will be teaching an auditions class in the middle of April and then a Shakespeare class in May. So we are kickstarting our series of workshops for adults as well. We're getting back into it and you can find us online at www.barnstormersgp.com. Find us on Facebook, Barnstormers Theater or Instagram at barnstormersgp. Annie Sable, thanks so much for being on the Grants Pass VIP podcast. It was my pleasure, thank you. I'm a little embarrassed for all the time I've lived in Grants Pass. This was the first time that I've stepped into the Barnstormers Theater. And it's one of those things that I'd always wanted to. I've always wanted to see their plays, but just never made it a priority. Well, you can guarantee that I'm going to make it a priority from here on out, hearing all the great things that they've done. The fact that they've pulled through this pandemic and been able to thrive as a nonprofit still being able to put on plays in the small town of Grants Pass. There's just something heroic about that. It's so cool. And I love being in a small theater like that. It reminds me very much of the theater that I performed in during high school. I did a little bit of acting uh, during high school and college, and it was one of those things I really enjoyed doing. So it's really neat to see a community theater that puts so much passion and time and effort into putting on quality performances and getting them to the point to where they could be streamed worldwide. I mean, how cool is that, right? Annie is really a neat person, both her and Stephen. If you haven't heard Stephen's podcast, be sure and go and listen to that. They're both theatrical people. They present themselves with such clear-cut 
diction and they speak so clearly. They're so much fun to have on a podcast. For one thing, Stephen has his other podcast, Don't Quill the Messenger, which I definitely recommend listening to. And so he's very familiar with the realm. Annie has been on his podcast previously, but she just does very well speaking her mind, telling the story, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is Fun Shot by Kevin McLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Pombo. I'm executive producer, Shawnee Douglas. Until next time, live rogue and have fun.